Hey guys, this is the Damage Control Podcast, and I'm Anthony Angelillo. And I'm Melinda Grimaldi. Are you ready for our next episode? Let's get down to business. All right, guys. Um, Anthony Angelillo, branch manager over here with Paramount Residential Mortgage Group and um, CEO, founder of Tag Team Nation, co-host of Damage Control with DC Consultants, real estate consultants, um, top originator of Miami Agent Magazine and Scotsman Guide in 2019 and 20. Uh, and we are launching something pretty, pretty, um, pretty badass uh, in a couple of months. And, and Melinda uh, and I spoke about it yesterday. And yesterday I had to take a step back and really just analyze before I launched this thing. Um, and it was, um, it was a big day yesterday, but extremely stressful, let me tell you. So Keep stay tuned on my IG, uh, Instagram, and you'll see that will be pushed out, uh, I want to say, in the next month or two. With that, I'll give it to the queen. Hi, everyone. I'm Linda Grimaldi, real estate and title attorney, Grimaldi Law Firm, The Closers, and co-host for Damage Control. I'm excited for today because I feel like we've spoken about everything, but in a different way. Everything that's been spoken, we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about it in a way how agents can step up their game in in their everyday business, right? And how to be better at what they do. So we're going to remind everyone what's cooking and what they should be doing. And basically, hopefully, you're going to take one or two of these to implement, to do it, or do it better if you're already doing it right and and uh that's that's the game so um what episode are we on today anthony 48 48 what are we gonna do for 50 i don't know we should probably do something i think that'll be good to celebrate any reason to celebrate (laughs) in my life that's how i am celebrate 50 50 is a lot of shows 50 is a lot of shows yeah, 50 is a lot of shows. And now if you guys see on our, our screen, we've got a damage control team helping us out. So props to our, our gals, man. Yes, the team's growing. And guys. Um, all right, so let's get cracking. Um, so the idea is like we've experienced, I don't know how many closings in, but to combined we have over how many years in real estate do you have? How many? How many closings? I know. How many years in real estate do you have? About 18. 18. So I have about 12. So that's 30 years of real estate experience from the two of us. And, and a lot of closings. But even more so than that, we've seen a lot of agents and how they operate. We get to see it pretty, pretty hands-on like we see exactly what agents are doing on the day-to-day and we could see the ones that have their stuff together and the ones that don't we could see the ones that are growing and getting better each time and the ones that are are not um and it really doesn't have anything to do with how many years in the business you are because there's some there's some some rookie agents and by rookie i mean like they've been at it just for a couple years that are doing it so much better than some veterans just because of how they handle their clients how they handle it with other with their opposing uh the not opposing but their their the other agent how they interact and give out expectations etc etc so that's what we're going to talk about today so um the best way to know your client the best way to make sure or predict and prevent problems right from the get-go is proper intake. Amen. 
intake is huge. Listen, <laughs> I know it's not sexy, right? It's not a sexy topic. It's not a sexy thing necessarily for agents to be working on, right? I get it. The but intake, it's, ne it's, necessary. it's necessary for a smoother process. Every one of us, lenders, title, agents, we all have our intake process and for different reasons. Um, but the idea is that we need to all be doing it so that the client has the right expectations. Okay. Um, so Anthony, why do you think we need, a, we need intake? Like, what is it? Like, what oh. is intake to you? So intake for me is exactly what I experienced yesterday. I had several applications hit our desk, okay? And I dispositioned and round robin them. And not to get off topic, but we have a intake form being developed, okay? And this is exactly the reason why uh, is because I wanna try to formulate a certain structure for agents that work with us and for agents that are just gonna begin working with us. but. The proper intake is setting the, the expectations to the client and also making sure that you're getting all the answers that you need. For example, yesterday we had a client that, okay, didn't necessarily make enough money, but didn't tell the, uh, the buyer's agent that they were just retired. And they told the buyer's agent that they were W-2 employed. Well, that's a lie, okay? And so right now that buyer's agent spending 30, 45 minutes on that intake form and it's inaccurate, all right? And, and it's it's all right, brand new agent, learning, amazing agent, she's going places. But the bottom line is, is that we consulted her afterwards and said, hey, look, this is the red flag. This is what you need to do. And that intake form was so crucial because that's not a deal. It wasn't a deal to begin with. And how do you know that? A lot of the agents that I deal with that have the finance background, they know how to do a proper intake form. Yeah, but they lied. Exactly. Exactly. So, so you can't obviously you can't control that, right? They lied on the question oh, or they weren't like, maybe they were a W2 employee, but you're, you're no longer currently a W2 employee. Yeah. Then that's, you know, kind of that red, that fine line of the way you explain things can be misconstrued. Correct. So we can't get around that too much. Um, but for, for, but it's super important. That's why we all have to be doing the intake, you know, Marital status is important. By the time I ask for marital status, it should have already been asked by the agent and by the by the lender. If yeah. it's not asked, and I and by the time we get to it, we're like, our system asks for it up front. They usually don't answer right away. We find out halfway through the process. Then we get to scheduling. We're like, oh, your spouse needs to come and sign. My spouse is estranged. I don't I don't speak to my spouse. That's a problem, right? Yeah. But. Um, this should have been explained by the lender probably should have been explained by the agent. Like when you're asking, you're asking, you're interviewing the client to find them the right home when it's a buyer. Right. So you need to know about their family because who's going to be living in this home. Yeah. Do you have a pet? Do you have children? You know, are you married? Like what's, who's going to be there with you and asking those questions are important first, because you need to know what kind of house they're going to need. If they need, if the the building allows for pets, et cetera, et cetera. But second, because um, if they are married, say, you could even say like this: I don't mean to pry, but I need to know your marital status. Are you legally married? Um, I'm separated. 
well, there's a, there's no such thing as legal separation in Florida. Either you're married or you're not. Uh, did you get a formal divorce? No. Okay. So just so you know, I asked this because not to pry, but because in Florida to get a mortgage on a property, your spouse will need to consent. Will that be a problem? Will they be cooperative or not? I now, don't know. We, we just did that literally 45 minutes later, Vera just took the application and here's the thing. All right. You don't want to just shoot their dreams down because I know everyone right now is saying, oh, but that's such a personal question. Bullshit. It's not. It's something that you it's it's you're buying a house. It's a major investment. It's the biggest investment of one's life. Right. So in this case, the workaround now that we did is you can go through the motions. You just need the divorce decree and the arrangement settlement, uh, marriage arrangement settlement agreement. So we can still go through the motions on that client and she's selling her home, but that home is now contingent on the divorce decree. Why? Because she'll be homeless if we just sell her house and have nowhere to go. So now you've given them hope and you're giving them faith and you're, you're showing them the, 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 the light at the end of the tunnel. So the, the, the proper expectations in that intake form is, is, is deadly. And that's just but, the way but that rolling works. back, like you don't want to find out about it once you're already under contract and the loans approved. Correct. Right. So we had a scenario uh, recently where the agent didn't ask the lender didn't disclose the requirement. And then when we go to scan and she never she ignored all our requests. Who's she? The, the buyer no. about marital status. She ignored no. our requests. So then we get to scheduling a couple of days before closing. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, snap. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, snap. Uh, he's not in the country. He's not where there's easily accessible notaries. He doesn't trust the system and he doesn't want to sign. And we now, tried for a week with an extension to do it. It didn't work. And now the deal's dead. I hate that. I hate that because it, it missed so many loops. It missed so many stages. You're wasting time too. And, just, and you're wasting time. You don't get that money back. You don't get the that time, time back. The time back is super that important. Back. Right. And it missed, it went through all the loops. I think, I think it's the most important, it's the, it's the most important for the lender to be disclosing that, but the age, but by the time you get to the lender, you've already invested a lot of time in this client. So you want usually, so you want to be having the conversations in the intake um, so that you can guide your client. And so we have a whole episode on intake yeah. Uh, so if you if you need help on intake, you can you can go back to that episode, watch that episode, make sure you do implement the intake forms. This is huge, guys. Have like a it's like a little checklist ask, asks asking certain questions. You keep it in your file this way, you know, and then you could trigger a few red flags. And this is the same thing for sellers. It's just as important. Are they foreign? Are they married? Because they can't sell if it's a primary residence and the spouse has to consent. So if they're separated and the spouse boom out and the spouse is pissed, the spouse might not sign. No. Yeah. Now just know that just because a spouse has the consent doesn't mean they have any rights to that property, but under Florida law, they still need to consent because it's the primary residence and they're married. That's it. That's all. There's no way around that guys. Nothing at all. There's nothing that, nothing that can be signed. There's no prenup post stuff, nothing, nothing, nothing. You cannot waive in any way a seller's consent, a spouse's consent for the mortgage or the, or the, the deed. One more thing about intake, one more thing about intake, and then we'll go to the next um, subject. The, the lead that we got yesterday, okay? I, I usually make an introduction call. I always do that. I always want to say hello, make an introduction. I pass the puck to a sales assistant. 
the lead, okay, has massive amounts of debt and had a uh, hundred and uh, I think a hundred thousand dollar student loan and the credit was not the best. We have to go FHA. So now we know it's 1% against the student loan. It's a thousand dollar hit on their debt to income ratio, right? So I know the, the ratios are going to be, you know, really, really high. The key question in that intake form, if I'm an agent, okay, is what are you doing with your present home right now? Where is that house? What, what are you doing with it? Are you renting it out? Or are you selling it? Okay. That was a question I asked. She's selling that home. Okay, great. How much of a mortgage do you have on that home? 84,000. What do you think it's going to sell for? 235. That's a net 151, right? So right off the bat, I know, okay, $151,000 of liquidity to pay off all this debt to get this person into a house. So that's the, if I didn't, if I don't have the intake and the cliff notes, I don't know what the home structure is. Right. So, so you just send in a buyer's agent, sending a lead to a lender and the lender doesn't see that because mind you, one of my gals missed that one spot, but that's why I have five layers to the, to, to the, the, the chess game in this branch. So that if someone guy missed stuff too, and then it goes to Adam and he gets in and Brian and what you know, so forth. But the point is, is that that extra layer and the intake of that data coming in is so important. So to have the buyer's agent do that as well, that's that's the concept of communication and proper expectations and intake. So for sure. I love that. And I love when agents say, hey, call me. This is they're like this. They like it like this. They want like this. You know, let us know what your client's going to need or how they prefer to be communicated with. What's your favorite method of communications? If you have that client that doesn't e-sign, that doesn't uh, pick a text back or doesn't, you know, they just, you need, or, or they'll look at their email, but only like we're obsessed with our emails, but most people aren't right. Like, unless you're in the real estate industry, uh, you're, you're obsessed with your emails, I think, but otherwise you need to actually like call people and say, Hey, I just sent you this by email. Like you have to let us know how are they and what do they need uh, to get to the finish line? You know, how do they like to be communicated? That should be one of your questions. What's your best form of communication? Do you like text, phone calls, emails? Um, and then that way, I personally am an email person because things go in my inbox and they don't like they get there. They stay there until they get done and we have a system for it. So I like emails. I hate work text message. Like, can you send me this? No, email, email me. Can you send me this? And you'll get it so much faster. Right. Uh, so everyone has their preferences. That's the best. That's so do clients and understanding that is also good because you can make sure that your the collateral team that you have with your lender, your title, they can reach out in that way. They're you know not answering crazy? my calls you know what's crazy? because they don't like to, they don't like to pick up their phone. Their, their text messages are still their, their, their email people. Right. Sorry. You you like it here, but here's now you're just giving me food for thought here. I think entering the business, people are using text messages because either they don't have a team or they're not set up uh, properly with systems. You want email because you have a team and you're doing volume now. And that is, that's, that's the concept, right? So I think it's great <clears throat> that, that you're asking them to do, you know, to, to send an email because you're basically molding and training that agent what's to come when they assemble that team, right? Because that's, that's how they're going to operate. You, you can't get anywhere without that team. Um, text messages is the worst. You know, if you're sending text messages, that's going to get lost. I mean, clients, clients 
prefer text messages. We do have a text messaging capability at the firm that's monitored by the entire team uh, because some clients are just better like that. Or if you're in a job that you can't always pick up the phone, at least there's a text message that goes out saying, hey, I need you, please call me, or this is a quick question, yada, yada, in the, in the text. But, but knowing what the preferences are as an agent, you're usually the first person to speak with them. So understanding yeah. that goes a long way. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so proper intake, um, the agents that do it well, we could see it in the process because it just goes smoother. So the ones that don't, that don't ask the questions, that just, you know, hand it off and walk away, you know, those usually have a bit more troubleshooting to do throughout the process. Yeah. All right, the, the next, uh, this is a big one that we always talk about that everybody talks about. I think everybody knows it, but then there's like little caveats. Uh, taking a client to see property before getting pre-approved, especially in this market, right? Why do they do it? Why do agents do it? Like, I think they're afraid to lose the, the, yep. the lead, the referral. So I will say this, last week we talked about uh, purchasing leads from Zillow or other online platforms. With those leads, it's a little different. Um, Denora was, was mentioning how you can't really like ask them for per too much personal information in the beginning because they don't know you like that versus a referral or a recommendation. It's a little different. So you need to build rapport. So you may want to show them one property before you do a full intake and refer them to a lender um, or ask them to get pre-approved. It's a question you could ask, but you don't want to like insist on pre-approval with an online lead because they don't know you like that. So it's a different sales strategy. But if someone gets referred to you, if it's a client's friend, family member, an agent that's getting referring to you, um, you need to do it. Why? Because we don't have time to waste. I think number one, number one, number one, number one, before anything else is time is money. Most of the agents don't have a team. To say, oh, my buyer's agent can go show those properties. Like, it's fine. It's cool. And then later you feel realize all the properties you show don't even work for this borrower, this buyer, or they were never qualified for anything to begin with because they have a big problem in their history. Or, or they're going through a separation. <laughs> or they're going through a separate, like, so, but having the pre-approval done, you kind of knock out all those what ifs. And then you really know, uh, and lenders will tell you, we need to just make sure that insurance and and taxes stay under this because it'll be tight or whatever. You know, you'll get some framework around what you're looking for because at the end of the day, it's a type, it's a tough market out there for buyers to begin with right now to find something. But if you're looking in the wrong place from the get-go and having to start all over again, you'll you'll have a buyer who's disenchanted about the process because it's taking forever. You'll have um, a lot of wasted time. And, uh, and yeah, that's my, that's my take on it. But Anthony, I know there's more technical reasons why uh, you'd want to do that. So, 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 all right, here's a, here's case in point last Saturday. All right. I received a contract literally in my inbox and the gentleman calls and leaves a message. And so I call back after my run and I'm like, Hey, what's going on? Um, I'm in a pickle. Uh, I need to to figure out if I can buy this house. I'm under, you know, and, and I didn't know they were under contract until I put one and one together, like, and five minutes after the conversation. Point of the story is person's under contract and we don't know if they're approved or not, okay? Person just purchased a property uh, four months ago, okay? So we're buying now a primary home, 
once again, four months later, right? So there's a red flag. So that the concept now is, is that here I am, okay, do I take it? Do I not take it? I took the deal only because that if there's 30 days to close, but mm -hmm. see, I educated and informed with expectations. And then I went over that pre-approval the same day we rendered a pre-approval. But what I expected from the client, I said, I normally would not take this deal. Okay. And, and he's probably saying, this is a commission. This guy's turning it down. Like he's like King Tut over here. It's not about that. It's this name right here. Okay. I don't want this name to be smeared. And if I just take it and throw it against the wall to see if it sticks, I'm as good as Tom, Dick and Harry over here that are doing the same shit. Right. And so now I'm going to make the client uh, buyer's agent who I know very well, uh, who I haven't conducted business with for, uh, I'd say a couple months. Uh, I want to make a good impression as well. So I want to, you know, obviously make everyone happy, but do that person a favor. So what did I do? I went 10 minutes during the process. I explained the process and said, you need to be receptive. You need to follow our process. And then I will entertain this. And this is the reason why, sir, that you need to get pre-approved. And just future reference, this is what you should have done, not to undermine them or belittle their intelligence and say you, you, did, you screwed up but to really inform and educate. And then I called the agent and said the same thing and said, look, I wouldn't have done this. You're, you're going to put yourself in arm's way, but we got it done. It's already approved. It's, it's, you know, it's all done water on the bridge. The point is, is though the pre-approval process, if you explain the process, the good with the bad, the bad saying, if, if it's not approved, okay, and you don't know the lender that they're pre-approved with, and you have a specific lender that you work with because you know how they operate, their idiosyncrasies, everything about that person you know, that's important, okay? And that is crucial to win over on a seller's market. And then I would, like, I would really break it down to a science for that individual. And I would say, look, here's the reason why you need to get pre-approved. Well, I've got the best credit and I don't want my credit to be pulled and, and blah, 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 blah. You need to know how to rebuttal to those, those questions. As a good buyer's agent is going to say, per fair lending, you're allowed to shop, shop your brains out. My guy, he's yet to lose. I would definitely recommend that, uh, getting a second opinion. We've got good insurance people that you know can probably sweeten the pot. We've got an amazing title company that communicates nonstop. Those are your incentives. That's your value proposition. My recommendation as a buyer's agent, I highly suggest you get pre-approved with XYZ. Not going to tell you what to do, but this is what we can do. It's a Saturday. He's already been receptive to you. And in a matter of an hour, you're waiting a week later for this person that's online. So it's, it's, it's really setting up those expectations, but then walking them through the process while you're doing that. And then you're explaining the pros and cons during that process, if that makes any sense. Right. Yes, you jumped around to other topics too about expectations and stuff, which we'll get to. But it does make sense. And you know, when when offering clients, you know, options for the lending and they bring up their own, that's fine. But we need to know that like we can reach this person and their team or their team. There is nothing worse than not having quick response. And if they're not responding fast on the pre-approval, yeah. I'll tell you, and to get the business, yeah. I'll tell you, they're going to be really slow. Yeah. 
in the other stages? We have a we have nine to one and one to four on call, like doctors. And Sarah was on call, and Sarah got that lead, and Sarah in an hour, uh, about two hours, I would say, pre-approved, done. Docs came in, flying in, everything. He was very, very receptive. The point is, though, is I won't take this deal unless you follow our order. Straight up, done. I'm going to help you out, sir, but this is what needs to happen. Well, why? I'm already pre-approved. This is why, blah, 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 blah. And you go into your pitch of the pros and cons. You guys all have it. You know what's going on with the, 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 the market. It's a frenzy. So inform, educate, and you know, really, really validate what you've gone through. Awesome. All right. So other than that, uh, I think we, I think everyone understands why it's important. Um, don't come from a place of lack. Don't be afraid that you're going to lose the deal. You won't. You won't. Because in fact, I think if you have a proper intake onboarding strategy, the buyer will be impressed with how organized you are. Let me interject. So same buyer, didn't send docs, wanted numbers. Sorry, sir, we can't render numbers for you. What do you mean? What we, what's going on? I, I, you need to send us docs. How do I know what you qualify for? You're not following the structure. See, so I already set those expectations up. He sent it done and it, and it went through. So you, you gotta, you can't be afraid to lose a deal because you're not gonna lose a deal. You're the professional. They came to you. You need to have that confidence to say, this is why you're gonna be working with me. This is why you should be working with our partners. This is what they do. They're receptive, they're on point. They're, they have their, their shit together. So that's, that's very important. Um, I really think Melinda, you hit it on the head. I think a lot of agents are scared that they're gonna lose the deal. So the deal is controlling them. Right. And, and if you want to make a business out of this, let me tell you, you're going to get burnt out because yeah. you will be in reactive mode instead of proactive mode oh. at, you know, and that, are you oh. going to quote me on that? <laughs> so the, the purpose of systems and onboarding strategy for clients and taking them through the try, like we're not recreating the wheel here, guys. This is like a, everybody knows that you got to do your intake up front. You refer them to your 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 preferred lender so they, they can get good taken care of or you you deal with the other lenders that they have that they come with and you, you make sure that they can um, really get through the process of pre-approval that their docs are in. You have to guide them. There's like a process, right? There's a, a framework, a roadmap, a roadmap. We talk about it as the onboard, like in my business, the on, the client onboarding. We have a very particular way that we onboard clients. Almost every contract comes in by email. It, it gets sent to one person to open. It gets sent to another person to get the contact information of the buyer. We send the welcome email. We, we pick up the phone and we give them a call. It's an onboarding structure and we coordinate escrow. Like that's the process to onboard. Then we tell them, this is how we work. You can reach out to us anytime. We have one team email and we explain how we work. And then they're, they're setting up the expectations for how it's going to go down. And speaking of expectations, that's, um, that's one of our next points. <sighs> I can't tell you how many times <laughs> I've been in the process of a closing where I've heard, but nobody ever told me that. Oh. Right? And not because it's something that I was supposed to tell them, right? But you never want to hear that. No one ever told me that. 
That's a great one. So actually, uh, we're going to be, do I'm going to be doing a video or a video series for buyers and sellers. It's called a no one ever told me that. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys have any um recommendations of what you're going those videos i'm open for that but the idea is and the this thing is, this is the best what this rate I, I don't i was never told this was gonna be the rate no but that's different that's impossible because it has to be acknowledged electronically i know uh but there's things like no one ever told me that my what I'm going back to the spouse right because that's an easy example and it's very fresh in my mind no one ever told me my spouse needed to sign no one ever told me that I had to do an inspection. Believe Tax. it. What about taxes? No one ever told me that I have to, if I'm foreign, I need to withhold 15% from my proceeds and send it to the IRS. No one ever told me that I might not get the keys on closing day. Setting up expectations even, is what makes even, for a smoother process. Even if you're married, I've seen no, no one ever told me that my spouse needed to come and sign. Yeah. And they, they, and they come to closing alone. So obviously we tell them like for us, it's a part of our, part yeah. of our process, but sometimes if they didn't know and their spouse was traveling and they didn't know, and their spouse is estranged and they don't know, and their spouse is pissed and there's no one in the middle of the divorce, then we have a problem, right? Most of the time their spouse comes with them no matter what, because it's a big deal, right? Buying a house is a big deal. So they're part of the process. So it, but when it catches you, it catches you and it's done. It, it screws up the whole thing. Right. So, um, the expectations are super important. The expectations about the status of our market right now, explaining to buyers, there's no negotiating right now. It's like highest and best that you can, you can afford because that that's, that's where we're at. If you want to buy a house, there's like no looking for deals, you know, right now you're not going to, can you give me a good deal? I can find you a property in this competitive market if you're ready to buy. <laughs> Can you give me a good deal? Right? I hear like all that. Like I, I have Canadians that will call like, and they're like, oh, is there any good deals there? Listen, it's not it's not the era of good deals. It's the I era bet. of you I buy bet. it because you know you're gonna make a profit if you're renting it out and the numbers are good or you're buying it because you're gonna live in it. It's where you wanna live and you need to move somewhere. Like one that's my, it. One of my agents yesterday said they had a cash offer 50,000 over asking. I'm telling you. And another agent called me and said, I'm not even going to show homes in Miramar and Pembroke Pines if it's not cash. It's just, it's, it's too much. I'm it's like, very, really? It's very competitive. So the, the idea. Like, wow, okay. I mean, no financing. Like, geez, that stinks for us. But okay. Yeah, it's, it's crazy right now. So the point is, is if you don't have that discussion, like a frank heart to heart with your buyers before showing, and you, we can't linger on decisions. Like you want to go, like literally some properties are, are under contract within 24 hours. There's like 80 people showing up to open houses. So if you want to make a move, you got to make a move. It's like, you know, that song, when I move, you move, <laughs> you got to move with me. We got to go fast. If we're, but if you don't have that conversation, they're going to linger on you. So here's, look, this is one of our subjects, but I, I'm going to touch up on this right now. Um, if you say that to a client, because I guarantee you everyone in this, in this meeting and on Facebook is thinking the same thing, you're going to spook them and they're going to say, oh, well, not, it's not meant to, we're not meant to buy then we're going to wait. Cause that, that's the next thing that someone's going to say as a consumer, they're going to say, oh, well, if it's that much of a frenzy, we're going to wait till it dies down. 
I would start talking about how powerful the state of Florida is right now, how corporations are about to move here, how there's no state income tax, how the weather is amazing, how Amazon's in Ocala and you know, Google's now in Miami, how there's 950 people a day moving here, how there's 62 million people going to Disney every single year. Granted, that number went down. Mm-hmm. Uh, how being Airbnb is big down here. Like I'd start going all saying, look, this is this is why you should be moving here. How, how, how COVID has allowed people to be mobile on their income in order to leave the state they're coming from to come to this state because that state's in, 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 in shambles. So that is why they shouldn't wait because when you tell them, oh, this market's crazy, it's, it's nuts and you don't have a shot. If you don't do 10 grand over asking price, they're gonna say, all right, well, I'm not gonna buy. There's a finesse and a delivery approach of how you do that. And then you need to have that negative hit with a positive and the positive is reinforcing them to say, all right, look, now I'm gonna be the cheerleader saying, look, this is why you should buy. So that's very important um, set expectations, guys. And then this is why you need to be pre-approved and from a strong local (laughs) lender that people know and has a good reputation because, you know, depending on who writes that letter, you're not going to want to see it. Like, I I guarantee you, if you have a local lender versus a big bank, you're going to, the ones with the local lender that are direct lenders are going to have a higher conversion rate than the Wells Fargo, the, the city, whatever loans. I went Again. six for six last week and four of them was shout out to, to Tish and I knew two of the listing agents. So that did help. Um, and you know, that one of the listing agents knew the buyer. So that also helped. So out of the, the six, three of them were like kind of gimmies, but one of them, we hit it off. The gentleman was from new England Patriots fan, really nice dude. And we got it accepted because we just, we built that rapport, which is our next. Right. We're getting to the next one. You guys, <laughs> I can't tell you, you know, it's a pretty cool thing, but in the last two months, I've had so many deals where the deal came and I work with both agents. Wow. And so I how think, I'm curious, just how I, th- I think there was, there's been three in the last like 45 days That's where great. both agents. Now I didn't always get both sides because sometimes they wanted it a seller representative, which I get, um, but it's still an agent that I work with. There's good rapport. And I, and I think that when in this competitive market, who's going to be on your contract also has to play just as much as that, because they know that things are going to run smoothly. And I've been told that before. Politics, man. I mean, it's, of course, that's going to play in the game. Yeah. So very important, extremely important. We put that on our pre-approval letters, top originator, this, that, I mean, that's, that's credibility. That's validation, you know, that you're working with, you know, uh, someone who's strong in the market. And then also the communities that we, we belong to, Women's Council, Miami Board, like that's also validation, right? Yes. So I would, good stuff. I would doing that. Go ahead. Um, so before we jump to the, the, the next step, I want to stick on expectations because there's a few more pointers that we didn't touch. Um, we talked about finding a home in this crazy market. We talked about, um, you know, like not getting keys, but like understand, like being able to say, okay, because we sometimes and agents fuel the fire because they don't really know some of them. If you're maybe you're one of them, and that's okay because you're newer, you haven't experienced too many deals, or you worked with companies in the past that don't clue you in as the process. So, um, like asking for final figures a week before closing when there's a loan 
does not exist. <laughs> so I'm telling you that because if a client says, when am I going to get my wire? They probably will ask you first, when am I going to get my wire amount? I want to send the wire. You're not going to get it probably to the day before closing or the day of closing, because that's when we balance. What is balancing? Balancing is when my figures and the lender's figures get combined together, confirmed by both sides, and, and my internal software matches their internal software to the penny. Only once, and sometimes it's very quick, and sometimes it takes back and forth because things have to change. But the point is, is that that does not go out until the final day day before yeah. max. Uh, very rare does it go out before then. Um, and, and why is because that's just how the process works. You don't balance until you're getting ready to close. You don't get ready to the close until you're clear to close. So like these are all, we might have our figures and building our, our information of what's going to go in. So when a client says, I need to send my wire today, like, listen, you're not going to have your final wire amount. So it, you're going to have to be ready to take, do the wire the day before the day of closing. One example. Uh, moving day, don't make, tell your clients getting a moving truck on the day of closing is not recommended. Why? Because we know sometimes there's late funding, there's things out of our control. Like they have to be ready to expect things to shift. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I call it the closing day shuffle. I joke about it all the time, but it's so true. No matter how much we control, it can control our leads, our intake, our process, there's things outside of our control sometimes. Um, and that requires us to postpone a day or fund the next day or whatever the case. And I'm, having your client understand that is super important. And educating yourself about the process is how you're able to better set the expectations. So we just had this literally, okay? CTC just came in. They want to schedule a closing, okay? If you have your lender clear and then you're trying to do same day closings, I wouldn't recommend it, especially if we're two weeks ahead of the game here. So that's not like we're in trouble. We, we, we cleared it two weeks ahead of time, but okay, let's do it for Monday or let's do it Friday or let's, let's give some time to balance the CD to go over everything. There's no rush. We don't need to close the damn thing the day of. And then the other issue that Melinda, you know, touched on a little bit is, you're not funding, you know, if you're closing at four or five, you're not funding. So now you don't can't, you can't get the keys. So that's a tease for someone like, why do, why do I want to close on a loan and not get the keys? So it's just knowing the process. We talked yeah. about in the earlier DC, the process is, is key. We've automated it. You've automated it. We now have a reference page to show everybody in the world, even lenders that could just, you know, copy it. That's fine. I don't care, man. Uh, it is copyrighted, but the point is, is the process shows you what you what's to expect you know the expectations all of that and, and so time frames deadlines who needs to do what by when you need to be guiding your clients so they understand that listen the why you must apply with the association in the first five days is because they take forever and you will delay <laughs> your closing you're contractually obligated one but two they're a pain in the butt and they take forever right so by explaining to them and using common language like this, the reason why the contract calls for it to be done early is because it needs to be done early, right? Um, and even with sellers right now, we're getting so many offers like above asking price and that's great, but 
having the conversation about what it will likely appraise for is an important discussion to have with your seller. What's going to happen if it doesn't appraise? Is there an appraisal contingency on this offer? Um, does the buyer have the proof of funds to really come up and have more money down basically, which is what would happen. So conclusion guys, educate yourself about the process so that you can better service, set up the expectations with your clients. Let me, um, let me say one thing. Um, you said appraisal contingency. I personally would ask the seller if it does not appraise, are you willing to sell still? Because I guarantee you what's going to happen is if you don't ask that question, all right, because you're hesitant that they're not going to accept your offer, which they likely they might, because they might not, <clears throat> they're not going to want to hear that. But the reality is, is when it doesn't appraise and they don't negotiate, and that's the second round for the buyer, that buyer's renting. So now you lost the deal regardless. So, I mean, because they're checked out mentally. So it, it's just, it's really those expectations and knowing the process is, is deadly. You need to, to really understand that. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Our last point. Uh, well, there's so many points, right? But we could only fit so many in an hour. <laughs> um, but our, so, so, you know, in terms of implementing, right, we, we spoke about your intake and how to implement that. Um, go watch that show if you need more help about pre-approvals. That's part of your onboarding process. So, you know, to actually sit down and write the steps. Like when I have a buyer, this is how it's going to look like. This is my, my, my flow. Right. And part of that, you all want to include that you had that pre-approval process built into there. Uh, the expectations. When will you, you should have templated kind of emails or videos with those expectations. Don't recreate the wheel each time um, or at least set reminders for yourself that on week one, we're going to talk about this week two, we're going to talk about this and you put in your flow and then it's part of your onboarding and your, and your customer service. This one, you don't put in your customer service list, right? The next one here is just being realistic in life, um, is developing the rapport with the other agent on the deal and with the other professionals even on the deal. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? Well, let's start off, let's start off right off the bat, which is the other agent. So whether you're a buyer's agent, listing agent, how you interact with them, your professionalism with them, how kind you are with your words and your emails that goes a long way <laughs> big time you know and the same thing when you're interacting with a title agent yeah. and the lender whether especially if you're a listing agent and the and the tc man the trans oh the, yes like the queen or the, the like the king like right you know, right right so now we all think oh that's no shit right like yeah, be nice. Well, it's a very stressful industry. And especially <laughs> I find I find the a lot of agents who pop off, whether for whatever reason, whether it's to us or somebody else, they're usually extremely desperate for that commission to close and are reacting in a way that is not beneficial to getting the job done. So being nice to get your offer accepted, yes. Being react, nice during the react, process. Reactive mode instead of proactive mode. You know, yeah, exactly. And, and with, with, with the other agent, you know, what we have to remember, we are all professionals. We represent our clients, but it's not personal. It's not personal. 
We are doing the best for our clients, but just because the other side is asking for something that maybe their client wants and they're the, they're the mouthpiece for that communication, doesn't mean it's personal and you need to insult them or be rude so, to them. So let me, let me give you an example and, and, and just role play with me. Contract is not to my liking. I'm the listing agent. I go back and say, fix it. You're the buyer's agent. You're saying the approach on that and, and, and how, what would you do in that scenario? Cause I see that all, all the time. So Why? whether, whether you see it's a messy contract, whether you, what it, that should just be a counter offer. I wouldn't ask them to fix it, but I, I see, I see how in this market, we don't want to be doing too many counter offers at once. So you're saying, okay, highest and best resubmit it with these terms like this. And then we'll, we'll see who comes through, but it's all, it's all about, you know, the delivery, yeah. whether it's in writing whether it's over the phone, whether it's by text, it's all about delivery and how you communicate things. Not yeah. like, listen, your your offer is like a mess. The reality is if your offer is a mess, it probably won't get considered uh, in this market just because there's so many uh, offers coming in. Uh, but let's say, you know, there's an error on one of the things and, you know, I've seen more experienced agents be, be mean you know, to a newer agent. I've seen it quite a bit. All the time. Um, And then you're starting off already with that nasty taste in your mouth. Even if if it gets executed, you're dealing, you're working with this agent 30, 45 days now. And the goal, the common goal is the seller wants to sell and the buyer wants to buy most of the time, right? Like the majority of the time. Um, So why are you working against each other versus like together, right? So I, I see that is this in my world too, when I represent a party and I'm calling the other attorney, I'm like, Hey, listen, like there was once a time where the agents got so heated before the contract was even executed. And so I had to, I had to negotiate with the, the other attorney to get it under contract. I, I call, I listen, these act, these agents are acting up and we didn't even get under contract yet. So it looks like we're going to have to make this deal happen. And we went through it and I call, I, even when I was doing divorce litigation, like in my early, early days, I would always call, hi, I want to introduce myself. I'm Melinda. I'm doing this. This is how I work. I was once looking forward to working with you. Um, let me know if you need anything. That's how you can reach me. Yada, yada, yada. A little bit of that really goes a long way. Of course, man. Of course, you're representing different interests, but both interests have a common goal of closing, right? In this scenario. So let's let's do it nicely. It's better for the industry. I will say if you're involved in, in this, so I feel like the people that are involved in associations really active are a perfect example of this because they're usually the ones that um, are have, have more training, more classes, they know how to interact. And so maybe take that as an as an opportunity to 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 go and invest in some of these different classes, organizations, um, so that you, you can also up your game. The delivery is key, man. And I, in that position, I wouldn't go back and forth because I've seen that so many times and I've seen sellers agents call me to validate it's a good deal. And to undermine the buyer's agent saying, is this person new? They did this, 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 this wrong. Who cares, man? Okay, great. Yeah. They might be new. Right. But we can fix this, this, this and this. Let's get the job done. So having that positivity instead of the negativity oozing out, that's that. Well, that's what we're talking about right here. Is, Absolutely. Is and at the end of the day, we're all human. So 
most of the time, let's fix it with an addendum. Let's, you know, let's cross it out and put the initial. Um, let's say hello in a nice way and not already start with criticisms right off the bat. You'd be surprised if there's, I've had, I've had some really messy deals with the, uh, the, uh, the agents just really worked really well together and they get it done. Yeah. And sometimes that really goes a long way. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, so don't underestimate the power of the relationship between agents and even with the, the, the other people, like with the lender, the title, like if you have a good rapport and you're nice, you're gonna, it's not that there's, there's like preferences or things, but sometimes there's two really important things and someone's being mean and someone else is being nice. And they're just as important in terms of the priority. We'll do the nice, the next person's request first. I'm because talking. you're you're happy to help this person right versus the nasty person and people get mad and they get mad for whatever reason and usually we're we're at the end like trying to pick up all the pieces and put it together and people get super mad because the lender's not ready i'm like i can't help you with that you know i can't i don't have a package i cannot schedule you yeah, i don't you know when i'm getting it you're not you're not belittling anyone's intelligence some people do that you never know who's going to be on the other side too, when you go to the next home, that's the whole concept is to be exactly, exactly. I, or I had, a, I had a gentleman that was awesome. I got to reach out to him. You just reminded me, and he would he would call me uh, to ask me if the addendum was good and my underwriter was going to prove it and this that. And I was just like, wow, this guy goes above and beyond. And he was the listen agent on the 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 side, but we just built a great relationship. And I, I'm going to reach out to him today. But and it's the same thing with. If you, it's like, so we're, we're talking about the other side calling us, right? But what about the side that referred you? Like we, we have some amazing agents that we work with all the time, but sometimes an agent will refer us a deal. And Anthony, I talk about this and they're so mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. refer to like, at the end of the day, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, refer to somebody else because like, we love working with our agents. And yeah. so you, you don't want to be that agent that when you call people are like, oh man, she's so like, she's so hard on us. Like she's so difficult to work with. Or, he's, um, he's, or he. he's cocky. He's like this and that. And I've seen, we've heard it all, man. It's no one wants to be with that. I'm telling you right now, it's not cool. Yeah. So you, you, it's the same, same uh, example with the opposing uh, or other side of the realtor listing buyer's agent that you're working with, same thing with your, with your, um, the other parties involved in the transaction. It goes a long way, guys. Yeah. Everything goes much further, you know? Yeah. Um, and if you do have an issue, pick up the phone and say it nicely because there's usually a way to fix everything. But if you start it off nasty, it's going to end nasty. Even if it, 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 it really, it's like, it, it's like, it's so much, it's so prevalent in our industry and it's not always directed at us, but we see it, you know, in the email threads or we see it on the conversations or we have agents that call, oh my God, this lady is driving me crazy. Like she's being so difficult. So we have to step in and try to like, you know, smooth things out, like, and get involved in things that usually are not, but we do it. But the point is, is that that's what we're talking about it because it's so prevalent. Yeah. And we want to just tell you guys this to remind you because sometimes we, it is stressful. I get it, you know? So you want to be in that better, in that place. Or if you do find yourself that you like lashed out, say, you know, sorry guys, stressful. I'm really like my bad. And that goes a long way too. 
right? Or do a second voice and I'll leave it with this, like do a second voice and kill them with kindness and get the, the, the lender partner on the phone and say, let's have a three-way conversation with the listing agent. If things are really chaotic to the point where it's like, everyone's annoyed, that's when you need to come together and, and just collaborate, right? And just let it deal with the elephant in the room and just physically call everyone and, and, and air it out. I just, that works every single time. Um, it and does. And that's why it's so, but the thing, the problem, the problem why that doesn't always happen is you don't always have lenders that communicate. Yeah. And if your lender is not doing that, because no matter how good a lender is, problems happen in files because there's things that get that develop throughout. There's clients that don't are not honest about what's going on. There's things that change that we can't control. So yeah. you, you need to have open communications with your lender and they need to be able to explain to everybody, the parties, yourself, like you, you get jump on a call, like get do a video, explain it in writing, whatever the case may be. You need to have that those type of people on your side so that when things get tough you can reach them because the only person that can settle a seller and a listing agent when you need a loan extension is the lender. Yeah. Doesn't matter what the buyer agent says, doesn't matter what the buyer says, doesn't matter what the closing agent says, it's really the lender who's gonna make or break that, that, that discussion. And if they're not around, you're already behind schedule in terms of getting that extension done. So making sure you have the right team members is of course important. Of course, Anthony and his team do it very well. Mm -hmm. when you're having these conversations, you need to have that. And if you see that, if you see that in the initial, you know, pre-approval letters, you're not having that open conversation right off the bat, you know, when things get tough, they're going to ghost you. <laughs> yeah. Big time. I, uh, that's, I love, see, I, 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 don't, I will never do that. I would like to go into that. Give me, get me into the fire. I'll, I'll extinguish that shit in two seconds. Yeah. But, yeah. But it is what it is. You guys, the, the reality of real estate is that there are fires that we have to deal with every day. But if we do the proper techniques, the proper yeah. intake, being yeah. kind to the people that we're working with, uh, making sure the buyer is pre-approved early enough so that um, we can find those, those troubles earlier in the process yeah. versus the final hour, working with the right professionals and setting up the right expectations, we will have a better industry. Amen. Amen. Quote me on that. that was, <laughs> That's a wrap. <laughs> drop the mic. <laughs> All right, guys. It's the end of our show. We hope you loved it. We hope you found something that you could implement uh, in your system, uh, in your work, in your in your day to day. Uh, remember, we're gonna in the post show notes. We're gonna refer you back to some of the older. Uh, episodes that will help you build out some of these things. And, uh, and don't forget also, uh, our show is free. We provide you these values, these tips, these trainings for free. Yeah. All that we ask is that you share. recommend, share it to your friends, help us share the, share the, the show with your, or your colleagues. And, um, and that's it. And we're going to be doing maybe some quarterly events and things coming up soon now that things are opening back up. So we hope that as a community, we can get together and meet some of your colleagues and, and uh, make it a better, a better place to, to work. Right. A face with a name. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Good stuff. All right, guys, it's month end. I got shit to do. See Thank you later. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>